digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. This is Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher, where Kevin and his guests dig a little deeper into today's issues surrounding the environment, farming, gardening, and food. Welcome to Digging in the Dirt. I'm Kevin, and if you're a regular listener to Digging in the Dirt, you know I like to tackle the big issues of the day with knowledgeable experts that are affecting our lives every day. But I also like to encourage and talk with local Connecticut and Long Island listeners doing their own thing in their gardens and small farms. So today I'm going to feature four quick interviews with people I've gotten to know locally through Digging in the Dirt. And first up is Khadija Muhammad of Blissful Awakening Farm. She's been here before. She has a small farm-to-market enterprise, thriving and surviving on the east side of Bridgeport. My name is Khadija Muhammad, and my um, farm is Blissful Awakening LLC, which we're an organic urban regenerative farm. We farm on a quarter acre here in Bridgeport on a plot that used to be 4-H property here at Barnum School on 495 Waterview Avenue. And right now, like, we um, actually are, like, just not farmers. We're a consortium of vegan vegetarian caterers. We actually bake. We do herbal tea blends. And we make some tinctures and other natural products. Also, we do different spiritual services. And we're also specializing in ear purification plants for the home and office. I do work with Mario Pena. He's my partner. And I also work with my daughter, Asia Muhammad, on this farming adventure. (laughs) And what size is your uh, plot? So it's about a quarter acre. That's nice size. And, and and what kind of things are you growing there? I mean, we're growing the basics. We have tomatoes, cucumbers, and we're growing a lot of leafy greens. So we kind of specialize in leafy greens too as well. A lot of different mescaline mixes and Swiss chard has been a big thing this year for us. I mean, it just matters what's growing the best sometimes and stuff. And Swiss chard is really doing well for us this year. How's your tomato garden? Our tomatoes are, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Not as, not as um, beautiful as uh, Kevin Gallagher. (laughs) We'll we'll have to collaborate. We won't talk about me. We'll talk about you. So what's been your basic, (laughs) besides Swiss chard, what's been your biggest success in the garden this year? Um, We did really well with carrots too, as well. Like carrots have been a big thing and they're, they turned out really well and beautiful this year for us. And we just been specializing again, like in a lot of different herbs and stuff. So we've been selling a lot of rosemary, sage has been a big thing, and thyme, and you know, different herbs, culinary herbs, uh, which are also medicinal as well. We do a lot of like cross promotion too. So like with our rosemary, like rosemary is really good for the hair. So when we're selling, we're talking about how people could just do an infusion and use it for their hair to help it hair growth and um more healthier here great so you say you sell it where do you sell oh so we sell at primarily at two different farmers markets each week which is thursday at mclevy green which is part of the bridgeport collaborative here in bridgeport from 10 30 to 2 and we sell on saturdays at reservoir community farm which is part of green village initiative from 10 a.m to 2 p.m on saturdays we also do like curbside pickup too so we do take orders through phone text internet online mm-hmm. so what tell me what's your biggest failure or you know your biggest problem you had with your garden um, 
we really wanted zucchini, a lot of zucchini this year, but we had a lot of issues with the um what's it called? The squash vine borer, I think yeah. something like that. Yeah. yeah, we had a lot of issues with that. So Mario did a lot of surgery this year. <laughs> but um our plants, we have three really good ones. Some did pass away, you know, but it's okay. It's part of life. Mario did a little surgery and stuff, and so they're doing really well at this point. So hopefully before the season ends, we get um, a lot of squash to be able to sell in our market. You're doing better than me. My zucchini a complete failure this year. As good as my tomatoes were. Yeah, as good as my tomatoes were, the zucchini is awful. So... So um, what about other pests? I mean, I mean, you got a lot of pest pressure or you seem to have that under control? So, yeah, I, I think that with um, Mario and I working together, like we really got that under control to the sense that we we put a lot of different um, herbs all around, like um, to help with pest control. So we put a lot of like uh, uh, miracles around our plants. Um, a lot of different herbs were planted in the bed as well to help you know, not totally eliminate, but to limit the, the, the pests. And I think it's working. I think it's worked. I think we did a little bit better with less pest damage this year than we did last year. So what things have you applied to what you do in your garden that have contributed to your success? Just adding like a lot more herbs and, and different types of um, pollinators, you know, different herbs that are pollinators and stuff to the garden has helped us a great deal as well as I've been actually doing a lot of spiritual work and stuff and I think that matters too as well because when you go in the garden like or the farm you know you want to have a calm you know spirit just in general and stuff and I believe that that really does help the plants like this past year and stuff from the last time I talked to you I'm not sure like I did um I've been working through Jiva here in Stratford um Connecticut and stuff and um, I actually got my Reiki one, two, and I'm working on my Reiki masters right now and stuff. And I actually got my meditation certificate as well. So that's helped a lot because kind of going full circle, I can actually give Reiki to my plants. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's wild. So, yeah, so um, that's something that I've been doing lately is, um, you know, giving my uh plant some energy healing so hopefully uh, maybe that's the one way that you know like everything is more prolific there at the farm so you think it's all tied together the spirituality of your life and the, and your growing and the plants all of it's tied together yeah like without it I don't even think I could get this far if I wasn't so um you know I went through those programs with them but just in general like years before that I started on a spiritual journey and I don't think I would be here in this place, even doing the farm right now without that spiritual journey. And, you know, even my name is based Blissful Awakening, you know, like it's a spiritual name. So, yeah. That's good. Well, Khadija Muhammad, thank you so much for sharing a few minutes of your time to talk about your garden and what you're doing over there on the east side of Bridgeport. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for having me again. Next up is my colleague, Joseph Chelly, who I talk about gardening with all the time. And today I want to know a little bit about his passion for mushrooms. Hello, Kevin. My name is uh, Joseph Chelly, and uh, I've been uh, programming at WPKN for a short time in comparison to you. Uh, I've only been there about uh, eight years, and I think you've been there probably 
35 years, right? <laughs> be more <laughs> in the <Yeah>. 40s. <laughs> really? I have two programs at WPKN. One is Sound Print Asia, specializes on the music of Asia. And the other one is called My Other Music Mom, dedicated to my mom. And it's uh, everything from Zydeco to John Zorn. So it's a very eclectic program. And uh, I've enjoyed over the years um, uh, hearing your program and learning a lot about, uh, you know, so much about gardening. And uh, I've been very fortunate because a friend of mine and his wife, they have a uh, large garden plot, 45 by 35, up in um, New Newtown, Connecticut. And uh, I, uh, this is one of the few times in my life where I haven't had my own garden, but I don't live in a situation where I can have one. So I'm uh, assisting him. And uh, we don't have any formal contract or anything like that. I just enjoy being up there. And uh, this year we laid a new fence, uh, brought in a lot of manure from a local horse farm that uh, we dug in. And uh, he's pretty specific about what he does. This year, uh, he's been growing sweet peas at my instigation, some uh, beautiful beans and cucumbers, a great crop of zucchini plants, and uh, then, of course, tomatoes and many, many kinds of greens, uh, broccoli rob, kale, Swiss chard, many, many different kinds of greens, uh, and then a, a nice variety of peppers. So uh, I go up there quite oftentimes with my wife, maybe on a Sunday morning. We spend a couple of hours up there uh, helping out. My wife is a real whiz at uh, weeding. She has a <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> she has a special Korean tool, and I'll tell you, she just zips through those, those rows with that tool. And I like to think of myself, uh, I'm not as good a weeder, I think of myself as a weeding consultant. I can always... <laughs> <laughs> supervisor <laughs> yeah i can always point out where the weeds are growing i hear you but it's been um, it's been so beautiful to do it uh, to be outdoors of course to see the whole garden evolve and now the great fun yesterday we harvested uh, a whole bunch of basil and i made, made pesto been getting a, a weekly deliveries of tomatoes greens zucchinis and awesome all kinds of things like that good way of working around the fact that you don't have a garden because you're in the city yeah, I'm in the city and uh, my family has always had a garden. It's been part of my life uh, most of the time. So I'm very thankful that I have this opportunity to do this. Uh, I just enjoy being out there a couple of hours a week doing it. I don't have the total responsibility like you do and like he does. Uh, so it's like being a grandfather, you know, it's like being around the grandkids. Yep. You can spoil them and have a great time with them. And then it's time to go home. Get your garden fixed <laughs> and then go home. <laughs> so I, I asked you here mainly because I know how much you're into mushrooms. And I wanted to know how that came about. You know, you, uh, I believe you cultivate them. Tell us, tell us about mushrooms because I I know you're totally yeah. into them. I've been uh, growing mushrooms for about eight years now, a little bit over eight years. And uh, the two challenges uh, for folks who might be interested in doing mushrooms is a location. And then the uh, second thing is getting logs, right? Now, when we talk about location uh, for mushrooms, uh, you need to have a fairly uh, dark 
uh, no sun direct uh, location. So a usually a heavily wooded area. If you have a piece of property that maybe adjoins a heavy wooded area, or maybe you have a heavy wooded area on your property. And then it's helpful if that area is a damp, moist area. Uh, it doesn't uh, do good if it's a swamp, but if it's a heavy, moist area, then that's a, a good situation. I uh, grow mine on logs. Uh, which is uh, one of the way most what I would call home growers do. And uh, that is what's called the substrate. But you can also do it on straw, you can do it on compost, you can do it on sterilized sawdust. So there are many different forms you can use. You can use wood chips, you could use coffee grounds. But my only experience has been on logs. Mm -hmm. So uh, I've been growing mine on logs. And you're using them for culinary purposes or medicinal? There's basically three types of mushrooms. There is uh, edible mushrooms, there's medicinal, and then there's poisonous mushrooms. Uh, the ones that I'm growing are basically edible mushrooms. My wife has been very, very great at going out into the wild and forging uh, medicinal mushrooms. She has a couple of types that she can really identify very clearly. She dries and she makes uh, teas out of them, which we drink year round, almost every day. Uh, we'll have a cup of medicinal uh, mushroom tea. But my focus in terms of growing is just basically edible mushrooms. Which ones do you like? The, uh, the easiest ones to grow are shiitake. And uh, within the shiitake family, of course, there are many, many species. Uh, there are, you know, fast growing, slow growing, uh, high temperature, low temperature, et cetera, et cetera. My mushrooms uh, that I've grown a variety of shiitakes, some of them are, you know, basically uh, one and a half to two inches across to, on the cap. Some of them are as big as the palm of my hand. And uh, the ones that I, uh, the big palm of my hand ones, I make instead of eggplant parmesan, I make shiitake parmesan out of them. Cool. And, uh, if you are not used to eating mushrooms, the variety of ways you can use them, in addition to the health benefits, are really quite extraordinary. So I told you there were two really critical things. Uh, the most difficult for me is location, because I don't have a farm these days. I don't have that kind. Of, so once again, I'm dependent upon someone else. And I'm very fortunate because I have uh, a nephew who has big property, uh, heavily wooded property, perfect place for me. And that's and, where you keep uh, the mushrooms? That's where I keep the logs. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, the question is, how, what are you going to grow the spores in? And I mentioned to you, you can grow them in uh, logs or sawdust or compost or straw, different kinds of things. I use only logs. And uh, the best logs to use are either oak or hardwood maple. That's oftentimes called sugar maple. Those are, there are many other kinds you can try. Some people have varying degrees of success and so forth and so on. I once had a load of really beautiful ash wood logs. And I called a couple of the providers of spores and one of them said, oh yeah, you can grow, you know, ash is great, so forth and so on. I did uh, 10 or 12 logs and I never got a bunch of them. That's the problem, right? How, yeah, how prolific are your logs? Are, you, how, how, are they going yeah. for years and years? Yeah. Once you, uh, once you inoculate a log, 
if everything, if all the conditions are fine with the log, it's not similar to growing a garden. You grow a garden and you can see the sequence, you planted the seed, the seedling comes up, et cetera, et cetera, and then you come to a harvest uh, at the end of the summer. Uh, once you inoculate a log, there is going to be a five, depending upon the logs, depending upon the conditions, depending upon the mycelium, the spores that you're using, there's gonna be a five to nine month period of time before you get your first mushrooms. So mm -hmm. you have to be very patient, right? But once the mushrooms start coming, if the logs are fine and they remain, remain high humidity or you water them down occasionally, you will get, uh, I have gotten mushrooms up to seven years out of one log. Great. Right. Awesome. And, and uh, again, you can't predict it. You can't say, you know, tomorrow morning. Now, commercial people, of course, they have them very specific and they have various kinds of grow methods that they use where they're forcing the mushrooms and so forth. But uh, for me, uh, uh, I have variable strains, so they're coming at different times. There, there are kits that you can get, which are tabletop kits which are really a lot of fun. Maybe get them for a teenager or for a gift for someone to see mushrooms growing right in your house or in your garage or in your cellar. They're really beautiful little kids. But I encourage anyone who is interested to pursue this. There's lots of literature. There's lots of YouTube uh, stuff. And uh, I'd love talking to anyone about it. Mushrooms are one of the most prolific growing things in the world when you stop and actually study the mycelium and how it uh, inhabits the soil of the world. Very cool. Joseph Chelly, thank you so much for joining us and uh, telling us about your experience in the garden and with mushrooms. Thanks so much, Kevin. My next conversation is with Moxanne, a volunteer we have here at WPKN who helps out a lot. And she is another gardening enthusiast I've grown to love. So my name is Moxanne, and I am a gardener here in Bridgeport at the South End. And it's a community garden named Seaside Community Garden of Joy. And it's over on the corner of Gregory Street and Walnut, right off of Iranistan. Okay. And so how many people are in there gardening? Oh, that's a good question. I think right now there's probably about 10 of us. Okay. So it's, it's small. And what do, what do you grow for, and what does everybody else grow? Well, okay, so I've been keeping it pretty simple this year. I've got a lot of tomatoes like you, and I've also got a lot of crazy huge cucumbers. It's a good year for have, cucumbers. <laughs> oh, it's an amazing year for cu cucumbers. Um, and then I've also got, I had a really nice potato harvest this year. Um, that was a lot of fun. And I've got my usuals, which are kale, cabbage, basil, eggplant, you know, the things I like to eat, parsley, cilantro, chard. Those are basically, that's pretty much the major stuff that I grow this year. So have you been a gardener all your life or is this a recent thing for you? No, this is a, a kind of a recent thing. I've tried and dabbled. Uh, I've had a couple gardens in my life once in college when I was living in Florida and that was like a paradise down there. And it's successful one I did with a couple roommates, but it was small. And we were into like planting by moonlight, you know, in the whole, I mean, it was interesting. I had one when, when my daughter was about three or four and 
that was in Florida too, and it got eaten, terribly eaten by all kinds of bugs. So it was not a very memorable garden. And then uh, this is my third experience, I guess. So speaking of uh, getting eaten, what's what's the situation in your garden? Is it you have a lot of pests, or you have those under control? What's what's been your experience with your local thing here in Bridgeport? Well, you know, I have never used any kind of chemicals. Um, we're we're supposed to be completely organic in our garden, and I know there are things to use. We get uh, pretty badly infested with, um, you know, the brassicas. You know, with the the kales and the um, Brussels sprouts. Oh my gosh, I never want to see a Brussels sprout in that garden again. Um, they get just eaten alive. And we have those little teeny tiny white flies, you know, that- The aphids. Yeah. It's not, it's never in my garden. I've never had it where I, it was so out of control. I don't have a lot of that stuff and I eat pretty much regularly. So, but I did have a very interesting unwanted visitor my first year, Kevin. What was I that? Tell you. Um, I was pruning my tomatoes one day and up close looking, and I noticed this little black droppings of some kind that were unusual looking. They almost looked like a little flower. And I noticed one or two of them, and then I couldn't figure out what that was. And then I found the source and it was a huge hornworm caterpillar. It was about four inches long. And I, I was shocked, horrified, scared to death. <laughs> the green hornworm, right? Yeah. And I got a picture of it and it was, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, it's a very beautiful caterpillar, but when I, I didn't touch it, I went home and I Googled it first because I, I didn't want to, I didn't know what it was and, you know, I, everything natural, it's all good, blah, blah. But I uh, found out it, it's a very, very bad thing for a tomato garden. So I plucked it off the little leaf it was sitting on and I gave it to a neighborhood kid who was extremely excited about it. I'm sure, because so, it's so ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I got rid of it and I've never seen one since. I've always got my eyes out for them now. But. Yeah, they're easy to find at night. You know, all of a sudden you see the droppings. That's how you found it, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and you know how to get rid of them. You encourage beneficial wasps in your garden if you plant oh. plant the um the pollinating plants that attract these beneficial wasps they're tiny little wasps and what they do is they lay their eggs on the back of that worm and you'll see it you'll see some of these worms with these tiny little white pods all over the back of the worm and as they what they do is wow. they they be, it becomes the host and it kills the worm by eating it all the all the new babies basically consume the worm Oh my goodness. Well, Isn't I that interesting. I, yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> so um, what's been the like say what we consider one of your biggest failures in the garden? Oh my gosh. Okay, so my biggest failure was last year. It was an epic, epic fail on multiple levels. Um, I started for some reason planting my seedlings indoors in February. And it was, I had grow lights, I my whole kitchen was transformed into a nursery. And I, um, they were just, the seedlings were doing so well. They were just gorgeous, but it, it was way too early and I couldn't put them out when they should have gone out and it was still too cold. So basically everything died and it was heartbreaking and absolutely miserable. And I was very depressed and I was sort of wandering around the garden, shuffling around like, 
eh, I don't want to do it this year. And everybody was encouraging me, um, you know, don't give up. And I ended up, um, there, there was a lot of lessons in there, Kevin, but, you know, don't start so early. And then of course you have to uh, harden them off. And I was, I mean, I was just busy in and out of my kitchen, putting them out on the terrace and then bringing them in and it was too cold it was too hot it was too they got sunburned and died they got wind burned and died you, know, they, <laughs> you had troubles <laughs> it was awful and i ended up going to home depot around uh must have been around july the early part of july and everybody else had been harvesting and and having all these nice things going on in their garden and i basically had nothing and i just put in a whole bunch of stuff and I bought these huge tomato plants for a dollar. You know, they don't do that this year, but a couple of years ago they did that. And um, I, I just buried them deep. And then I ended up having these really strong, amazing tomato plants and that outlasted everybody else's. So I felt good at the end of the year. And you got a good yield. <laughs> I had a great yield. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So yeah. what's the plans for your garden now? What are you going to, what are you looking to, to grow in the future? Or, or what do you want to do with the gardening? Well, you know, usually, and I learned this, um, I think the first year I even kind of got wind of the idea that you do two plantings, you do your spring, you know, for the summer, and then you do your, your late summer for the fall garden. And I did that both years. But this year, I'm just feeling tired. I don't really, I've got empty beds, you know, I, I've got um, a nice empty bed that the potatoes were in. And I've got, uh, I pulled up all the, um, the beets. I had a nice little harvest of beets that I planted in the spring. But I just don't feel like doing a second round. I'm just going to let it all, you know, gardening's a lot of work. It is so much work, Kevin. And I go over there basically every day. I try to go over there an hour or two before it gets too hot. And um, there's always some work to do. Even if I don't think there's any work to do, there's always something to do. Yeah, But and isn't it satisfying? Oh my gosh. I, it, Kevin, this is my favorite place on earth to be right now is the garden. Yeah, it's it's definitely been, I think I might've mentioned this to you at some other time, but it got me through COVID. I went over there every day. You could take your mask off. Most of the time I was alone. A lot of gardeners sort of dropped out last year. It was a kind of a quiet year. And um, yeah, yeah, I enjoy being by myself actually and just being with the plants. Yeah, and we enjoy talking to each other. You know, uh, we met, Moxanne and I met because Moxanne is a volunteer at WPKN and uh, she's a big help uh, during fundraising and things like that. And we started talking gardening and look, here we are doing Digging in the Dirt together. Well, Kevin, I have to really say you were instrumental in getting me into gardening in the first place. You know, I went, I attended your, um, I think it was 2019 early spring, you had a workshop for gardeners. And I, that was the first time I met you and it was a small group and it was extremely interesting. And at the end, you gave us a little packet of seeds, tomato seeds, and I planted those. That was really an impetus for me. I, the Sutton's best, remember? Yeah, I grew them this year. <laughs> yeah, I still, I don't have them this year, um, but I had a very great, very good yield. And um, yeah, they're prolific. They're prolific. And, and this year, you know, my favorite is the um, Paul Robeson. Have you ever tried those? I have not tried those. Oh my gosh. My daughter gave me, she does everything from seeds 
she's a real avid gardener up in Massachusetts. And um, she gave me a, a four or five different types of tomato plants, all heirloom and, you know. Um, awesome. And, yeah. And the Paul Robeson is a dark, deep, dark red, a very large tomato. It's hard to describe how good it is. <laughs> That's the way I feel about giant Belgians or Belgian giants. I have to turn you on to those. They're really, they're like a pink one that turns a little pinkish purple by the time it's fully ripe. And oh, nice. it's really big and it's really delicious. And we, oh, eat wow. them here. We, we eat them every year here. I love Belgian giants. So okay. thank you for joining me. Uh, this is turning into a nice little program about all my locals. So thank you very much okay. for coming on, Moxanne. Yeah, thank you again for asking me. I, I encourage everybody out there who's listening to uh, tune into your show, Digging in the Dirt, which is just always full of so many interesting things. Just try it out. It's it's any, you know, I, I, I look around and people have little spaces in their yards that they could actually put a tomato plant. Absolutely. We got to do some, do some gardening, get out there and make we change the planet one, one garden at a time, right? Yep. So thank, thank so you much. very much for coming on. You're welcome. And finally, Monique Bosch, a master gardener and owner of a Verma compost business called Wiggle Room and works with Connecticut NOFA on many projects. Monique knows a ton about worm poop, composting, and growing just about anything, but I wanted to hear what she does in her own garden. Hi, I'm Monique, and I garden in mostly my front yard here in Wilton, Connecticut. And it's a bit of an eclectic, some may say mess, but I like to call diverse permaculture style gardening. So I like to plant obviously companion plants that, that work well together, but also thinking about the environment and how I can keep critters away, how I can have an extended season. So I'm always throwing seeds down. I love fresh, lettuce, arugula, hackerai turnips. If you haven't tried those, you can eat them raw. In fact, just grab one out of the garden, eat the root, eat the leaves, you're good to go. Is it spicy? Uh, not too spicy, it's quite mild. It's interesting, it's a, it's a white turnip. Um, the other cool thing I love to grow is something called St. Job's Tears, which are actually, it's a type of bean and I don't eat it, I wear it. The beans form these amazing necklaces. Wow. Look that up. So talk about eclectic. So, <laughs> and they're gorgeous. They're sort of, uh, they, they shoot up like grass and they spill, these beans spill out. In fact, a short story, I was in downtown New York and the woman behind, when I was checking out at the grocery store, saw my necklace and said, oh, I haven't seen St. Job's Tears since I was living in Haiti. We grow them and put them on our, design them into our clothes, our handbags. It's a real uh, wonderful accessory. Wow. And so how much square footage have you dedicated in your front yard? I would say, oh, not that much, maybe 500 square feet. And the cool thing, this is the first year I'm eating peaches out of the garden and strawberries. Really? Oh, good. Most, before that, I don't have any fencing. So anyone could come in and, um, and the critters loved <laughs> the strawberries. So the way I got rid of uh, critters for the strawberries is I planted garlic amongst the strawberry. Oh, cool. And um, so th they shot up and even the deer were eating the leaves of the strawberries, not to mention the fruit. 
But I guess once they start coming up, they can't get at the strawberry at all. And the smell of the garlic keeps away other critters. They didn't even know that the great strawberries were there. So I had strawberries for breakfast for a good month and then harvested the garlic after that. And I'm going to do that again. Yeah, I tend to donate my berries. <laughs> Blackberries. Yeah, I donate them to the, the birds and whatever, you know. Right. I'm not, I don't get that much yield out of my strawberries, but, you well, know, but I'm in a suburban planting, backyard. Right. Well, maybe try planting garlic amongst the, the, the crowns. That's what's the word I'm yeah, what, well, So what else do you grow? Uh, so this peach tree, first time I made it, I planted it three years ago, I covered it with netting. And I would dig up under the netting and ate that for a good three weeks. The, oh, that's great. Peaches, I love as peaches. As they were ripening, just pulling them off the branch. That's awesome. So, yeah. I, I'm a yeah. netter too. I net in my whole garden. Yeah. I have, you know, I built some PVC piping like, and, and then I netted the whole thing. So I don't share. <laughs> so certain things you don't share, the, the, but you might want to just change your mind about berries now that you know that <laughs> well i don't have room for them in there you know it's mainly yeah. that's where the tomatoes grow <laughs> got it so and around the perimeter of the garden i'll plant onions and that also dissuades animals because they think oh there's nothing really here to eat oh, okay uh, i've made so much zucchini lasagna that i <laughs> no more room in yes. the freezer for the extras so that's a wonderful thing a lot of basil always making pesto and i'll freeze that uh, of course, tomatoes, eggplant, peppers, as you would imagine or assume. And um, I always mix in flowers. So loads of zinnias. I really like the, the, the very cool. There's a zinnia called Rasta. So each petal looks like a, like a hair from a Rastafarian oh, style. It's very really cool. cool. So that's my favorite zinnia. Uh, and of course, the marigolds that also help um, our great companion plant yep, a lot of and, those in my garden yeah loads of herbs the rosemary plant which i bring in every year and the bay tree that i bring in every year mm -hmm. and so what do you do to help your garden thrive what's the main thing that you want to tell everybody you do well to be honest i own a worm composting business with my son called wiggle room so worm castings so i'll put in worm castings when i start the seeds I'll put them in mostly importantly when I'm transplanting and then a little bit of compost tea. So I'll, I'll mix it up in a brewer and bubble it and apply that every two or three weeks. And that's the only thing I add. And the garden is crazy, crazy wow. <laughs> taking over. So, and house plants, of course, it's also really good for. So that that's what I, I use. Okay, worm castings. That's that's good. I use it too. You, you turn me on to worms, and I have my own little factory downstairs, and yeah, don't I use would, it as much as you. But I do would recommend everyone to get a small worm bin, and it's a wonderful way to divert your waste. Uh, everything from eggshells to peelings to coffee grounds to melon rinds, all of, they're their favorites. I agree. Uh, not to mention other things. So if you can do that, uh, you'll have your most amazing. Uh, soil amendment that you can take your garbage to create wow, that's get the great. worms to do the work yeah, that's great so tell me what's your biggest failure what do you think considered to be one of the biggest fails you had in your garden i think i underwatered the eggplant so the flowers kept falling off okay so that was a disappointment so now of course they're getting overloaded with water <laughs> to try to compensate you know that rule if you fail overdo it the next time so that's that's been a fail. Uh, I lost some zucchini to the squash borer. I didn't go in and try to get that guy out. 
Um, and yet now they're doing better. The, the compost tea helps with the powdery mildew, so I've avoided that. The other fails I've had, um, gosh, too much shade in parts of the garden, so things are falling over. So I didn't stake them fast enough. Have you, you have friends that have started gardens because of you? You know, they're finally getting into the program. There are a few people that I know who have started. Well, you, you've you've influenced people at WPKN because remember we had you speak and, and and another woman I just finished interviewing harkened back to that day where you taught and we handed out tomato seeds and she became a great garden. Yeah, we, I, that's our, one of our favorite things. Well, GVI, I actually, um, so a bunch of us started that oh, 12 years ago now. Right. And uh, 11 years ago. And so I visited Reservoir Community Farm in Bridgeport last week. And I must admit, I burst into tears. It was so beautiful. They're doing a great job over there, right? And talk about being able to, there's 40 families growing their own food. When I arrived 10 minutes later, a bus of children arrived for, for a day to spend at the, a field day at the, at the farm. Awesome. Interns everywhere, so proud of these beautiful gardens. I just, it was really, and I remember, you know, walking in there going, this is a mess. It was an abandoned strip mall. For 25 years, it sat idle. And so we turned it into an urban organic farm. That's awesome. I'm glad you did. Uh, Ellie's great up there. And oh, she's amazing. And I know Khadijah Muhammad, you know, she, in fact, I just interviewed her today. So God, yeah, she's exactly. doing really good at Blissful Awakening. So yeah, good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your garden. You know, it's, I appreciate it. I'm going around talking to all the, my local friends who have graced the airways here at WPKN. So thank you. Thank you for having me. That about wraps it up. If you'd like to tell your story about your garden or your farm to market, anything to do with what my subject matter is here, please contact me at kevin.wpkn at gmail.com. I'll be doing this as a regular feature, talking to locals about what they're doing in their world. kevin.wpkn at gmail.com. Digging in the dirt. Digging in the dirt. You have been listening to Digging in the Dirt with Kevin Gallagher. To hear past programs anytime you want, visit the podcast section of WPKN.org. And now, all Digging in the Dirt interviews can be found on Spotify.